Mistaken Identity is headed to the Dominican Republic on the new carnival celebration in January of 2023, thanks to MEI Travel and Mouse Fan Travel. Whether you're looking to book a cruise, visit Walt Disney World, or spend some time on a private resort in a remote location around the world, MEI Travel is for you. Frank and Jordan are scheduled to set sail on January 3rd for seven nights on Carnival's newest ship, set to debut this November. And if that sounds like the type of thing you're interested in, MEI Travel has plenty of accommodations to fit all your travel desires. Contact Brock Taylor for all of your travel needs and to determine the best deals for you at mistakenidentitymedia at gmail.com. To so many people, you know, lifelong uh, Cubs fans, it's our happy place. It doesn't feel like a year without going to Wrigley Field, and you guys are amazing at what you do. And that's the thing, is that the Wrigley employees are always so helpful. They go beyond. When you see the same faces year after year after year in the same sections, it makes you feel, it all feels like family that you're going to a place like it's a little family reunion. Every family member and friend who comes to that I take to a Cubs game or I take on a Wrigley Field tour because there's nothing better to do than be in Chicago and you all made that possible. Like I said, these are not just employees in my opinion, they're like family. I've brought people from all over the world, all over the country, people that don't like baseball, they love Wrigley Field. And we have you guys to thank for that. Welcome to Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark, now part of the Unconfined Network. We explore the fascinating personal lives of the people inside Chicago's most iconic sports venue, Wrigley Field. Our podcast will take you on an amazing journey, introducing you to some incredible people that we've met along the way. We'll discuss hot topics, play a few games, and just try to have an overall good time. There'll be plenty of surprises along the way, so stick with us to see where our journey heads next. But for now, kick back, relax, and enjoy the latest episode of Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark. So I don't even have to uh, really introduce uh, who you see on your screen because uh, uh, obviously you know who is uh, joining us today. And I am extremely uh, excited uh, for have Chris as well as uh, all of the Bears that are participating this weekend in place of the Cubs. Thank you for agreeing to be here. Hello, everybody. Now, Chris, uh, obviously uh, I'm going to have to bring up baseball. So what is your allegiance? Uh, is there any Cubs or, you know, wh- what do you stand with the Cubs? Well, I was very fortunate this past uh, season uh, to actually uh, participate in the seventh inning stretch when um, Notre Dame played Wisconsin the day before there was a Cubs game and I was able to uh, – do my best rendition of Harry Carey. Uh, I don't know how well it went, but uh, everybody seemed to like it. Now, uh, there's a lot of uh, um, great people who have come and tried to do the um, 
uh, seventh inning stretch. Now, do you did you go and listen to somebody first, like Ditka? Did you listen to? Oh, what, of, how course. You did it, or? of course, of <laughs> course. I think I've, I've actually, I think I know the the song by heart now, actually. But <laughs> I watched about a hundred YouTube videos, and I've seen everybody from uh, the wonderful Bill Murray to Mike Ditka to uh, gosh, I mean, there, there was a ton of people. And what I tried to do, because I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan, I tried to do Will, Ferrell, Will Ferrell's version of Harry Carey. And I, I'm not sure if it went over too well, though. Okay, all right. Now, obviously, uh, this year, the Cubs, well, 2016, the Cubs won the World Series, which was a big thing for Chicago. Uh, I'm just curious as to, um, do you remember what you were doing when you heard that they won? Or where were you at when you heard that the Cubs actually finally won the World Series? I, I was actually watching on TV like like everyone else. I mean, it, it, it's it's uh, so exciting. I'm born and raised uh, here in Chicago, and having the chance to see any teams win. Uh, I was very fortunate when I was with the Bears during that time. Michael Jordan was with the Bulls, and so we we had a chance to see some great championships with the Bulls. Um, being on the South Side. I uh, lived a mile away from Sox Park, so we, we had a chance to see the Sox um, and win a World Series, and we had a chance to see the Blackhawks and now the Cubs. So obviously, I'm all very excited about Chicago teams when they have success, and also the sky as well, and most recently. Yep, and I want to uh, have you all that are staff ask questions, so use that raise your hand feature if you want to talk directly. Uh, to Chris, but I did have a text from one of our staff, Chris, and they want to know if you can either show or talk about some of the things behind you on display. Uh, sure. Actually, um, this is kind of funny. I, I, I host a podcast that features a lot of Notre Dame, uh, former players and business folks, and I that's where I graduated from. So I'm kind of talking to you from the, the backdrop of that. But it's kind of cool because I have my, my Notre Dame helmet when I played for them, the Chicago Bears helmet up there as well. And then um, I was very fortunate enough to receive the Brian Piccolo Award when I was with the Bears. And so that's right over here. That's the big one. And then um, in the news most recently, uh, John Madden passed away. He was a, a, an amazing announcer and broadcaster and uh, football coach in the NFL. And he had a all Madden team that he had. And I was fortunate enough to be on that team as well. So there's a little, it's this award right here. Sorry about that. That's, that's the award I received for being on the all Madden team. And then next to that, this weird looking one, that's the Lombardi award for being the best college lineman um, uh, in 1990s when I received that. So I've been, and then also the one underneath the Bears helmet, um, that's the Muhammad Ali um, Humanitarian Award, which I received. And the last one, the silver one, where you can see is the Brian Wizard White Award, which goes to the most uh, charitable um, person in the NFL. And I was very fortunate enough to win that. Uh, all right. So yesterday we had uh, Eric Kramer on. And the question that they asked him, I want to ask you, because everybody wants to know, uh, what do you think about the Bears right now? <laughs> wow. Well, <laughs> uh, I, along with all the fans in Chicago, 
um, in, in, in Cubs fans, I'll have been through it as well. Uh, it's kind of, it's frustrating when you've seen teams throughout the years have success um, when they have new hires. And right now uh, the Bears had to make a transition. They fired uh, both the GM, um, Ryan Pace, and also uh, Matt Nagy, the, the head football coach, because things weren't just working out. So it's one of those situations where it took a little bit longer than it should have, but they are going to make uh, a move, obviously. Um, who, in fact, it's going to be is really an unknown. Um, they, they started to interview folks last week. Uh, so that's encouraging. Um, I think one of the um, the problems Coach Nagy had was that he, he had so much success his first year. I don't know if you guys remember, but four years ago, he was the NFL coach of the year. He made it to the playoffs and everyone thought it was going to be great. And then all of a sudden it kind of went downhill from that. So uh, the other one I asked him about, what do you think about Justin Fields? Uh, we are excited uh, as Bears alumni. Uh, I haven't talked to a guy that had, that hasn't been excited about that. Um, he had a lot of success in college. Um, this year, his rookie year was kind of a learning year for him. Um, we're going to need a football, head football coach um, who's actually going to know how to produce uh, young talent. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. Um, unfortunately, we did not have a chance to see him play as much this year because I'm not sure the, the, the former, I'm not sure Coach Nagy knew really, really what he was doing um, with the talent that he had, which um, ultimately led to his firing. Okay, so now what are your thoughts on the Bears possibly moving to Arlington Heights? Well, that's a really interesting question and also an interesting subject. Um, the, the, the reason why uh, the Chicago Bears are even entertaining that is because they've had a chance to see several teams in the NFL create the, kind of this um, uh, entertainment complex when they build their stadiums. Now, so they have restaurants in there. They have um, um, uh, uh, on-site gambling places as well. And really that's kind of what the Chicago Bears needs to kind of move to in order to be as profitable as other teams. The most recent team you've seen was the, um, was the Raiders. Uh, their stadium is just amazing. It's, it's multi-purpose. Uh, I think the, the, the first um, stadium that really kind of set the bar was the, the stadium for the Dallas Cowboys with, uh, I think they call it kind of Jerry's world, uh, meaning Jerry Jones, the, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And it's kind of interesting because he took that uh, stadium really to another level. Um, everybody kind of joked at and made fun of him because I think he spent $1.2 billion at the time, which was the most expensive stadium. And everybody thought it was crazy. Now everybody's kind of copying what he's doing. And I think uh, the Raiders stadium, I think was somewhere in the range of about $2.3 billion. Okay, uh, for those of you that came in late, if you have a question for uh, Chris, uh, just use the raise your hand feature. Uh, question, what is, what, have you talked to and are seeing Mongo McMichael recently? And what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I personally haven't seen him uh, in, in at least about six months. Um, I was shocked, just like everyone else, to kind of hear the news 
Uh, for those folks who might not know, um, Steve was diagnosed with ALS uh, about, about maybe about six or seven months ago. And it's really um, disheartening to kind of see that happen to someone um, like Stephen Michael. I mean, obviously, you don't want it to happen to anyone else, but he was kind of such a, a personality. And I think that's why a lot of folks kind of relate to kind of what's what's going on. But one of the most interesting things I've seen um, in an interview that he did with Jared Payton, who's Walter Payton's son, he is the um, one of the sportscasters for WGN uh, Channel 9, um, they had a really, really interesting interview. And toward the end, uh, Steve talked about how he didn't want folks to feel sorry for him because he had a good run. And for someone to have that type of attitude, uh, considering what's going on, is really, really kind of, um, it, it's, it, it's encouraging to hear, but it's also unfortunate. All right. Uh, so the next question here, um, who are some of your all-time favorite players to play against? Who are some of your all-time favorite players to play against? So my last year playing with the Bears was 1997. And at that time, Brett Favre was still playing quarterback. And um, he, he was a great competitor. I have a lot of respect for Brett Favre. It's so interesting because uh, a couple of years after I retired, uh, I was watching one of the Bear Green Bay games and they had a stat on the screen and it showed i think the bears had about maybe 20 quarterbacks during the same time period that the the green bay packers had brett Favre. so i think that was really interesting he was a, a great competitor um, also i'd like to point out that i had a chance to play against barry sanders uh, as well who is a obviously hall of fame running back but uh, more importantly he really kind of wrecked havoc on a lot of defenses in the NFL to the point where each, every time an opponent played the lions, they had to change their game plan because of his quickness and speed. So out of the folks that I've played against, I would have to say those are the two most, probably the greatest players, but um, as well as being the most competitive. All right. Um, so most of us club staff, we know what the Cubs, uh, procedure is on a daily basis when they get to the stadium before the game, what their workout is. So uh, as a Bears player, uh, what is a typical day like uh, on, a, on a game day in Chicago, 12 noon? Uh, for example, you wake up at what time, do what next? What is it like uh, on a game day for a typical Bears game for a player? Sure. Um, we're very fortunate because at the time, um, the – Soldier Field is right in the South Loop area, and 99% of the time, the Bears have stayed in one of the hotels right on Michigan Avenue. And at that time, I believe it was the Hilton, Chicago Hilton Towers, which, are, which they still stay there. So on game day, um, you're actually responsible to be at the hotel at a certain time the night before. So I think uh, meetings start, I want to say, around 6 o'clock um, on uh, Saturday evening. And so after meetings, um, we have dinner together, and then we have uh, bed check. If you can imagine that, you have grown folks who need bed check by other coaches, but oftentimes that happens. And uh, when you have a noon game on the following Sunday, uh, I think I believe our wake-up call is about 6 o'clock in the morning. We have breakfast together. 
Um, there's uh, a, a church option if you want to go as well. Uh, we have one final meeting, and then you can have about an hour to kind of get ready on your own before you're uh, supposed to be at the at Soldier Field. And if it's a noon game, oftentimes they want you there about 11 o'clock. I'm sorry, about um, uh, about nine o'clock. So it's several hours before game time. And I had a chance to play with Tom Thayer, who actually um, was a, a, a product of Joliet Catholic here in Chicago. And he was on the Super Bowl uh, team for Chicago Bears as well in 86. And is actually the current, uh, one of the current announcers on the radio for the Chicago Bears. And I always love telling the story because he has a weird thing. He needs to get there like five hours early before the actually game starts. So he likes to be, so he's always the first one there, um, kind of puts his uniform, not the whole uniform on, but he puts his pants on, pads and everything else. And he'll just sit there. And oftentimes guys are walking in and, you know, Tom Thayer's already, he was already in set to go. Uh, so you have kind of people that want to put on different, or they're the same socks. Uh, they have a lot of traditions um, or, or, or superstitions, so to speak. So normally folks are responsible or ready to, they have to be there at least by nine o'clock before the game starts at noon. Okay. All right. Uh, question here. How do you think you would have fit in in today's NFL? In today's NFL? Well, um, for those of you who might not know my reputation, um, I really wasn't that big size-wise of a player. I'm only 6'1", and I played at about 260, 270 pounds, which is considered to be really small nowadays. So a, a person – so, for example, the person that plays um, – the position that I played when I was with the Bears is Akeem Hicks. And currently he's like 6'5", about 320 pounds. So you can imagine me being 6'1", 260 pounds, and Akeem Hicks is about 6'5", 320 pounds. There's a, a big size difference there. So I'm not sure how long I would have played if I was currently playing, um, but there is a huge size difference now. And I'm, I'm glad I played during the the time I played. However, um, it, it's exciting because I have a chance to kind of uh, think about kind of all the people I had a chance to play against. And I mentioned before, Brett Favre, uh, Barry Sanders, these are players that are going to go down in, in NFL history. Hey everybody, Joe Flaherty here. Many of you know me and my history in both the fitness and journalism industries, and I'm happy to announce that I've done something that I've been wanting to do for many years now, and that's merge those two experiences by writing a book. I recently released my first publication, Building a Tailored Training Program, exclusively through Amazon and the Kindle Store. This book is not only loaded with science and references that illuminate best practices for building an effective training routine, it also dives into why strength training and building muscle is advantageous for everybody, not just for athletes or bodybuilders. In about 100 pages or so, you'll learn how muscles actually grow, what variables you need to consider to customize the program to fit your current fitness level, and I even include sample routines to get you thinking in the right direction. Now, if you or someone you know is spending any amount of time in the gym trying to gain strength, gain muscle, and lose body fat, 
This book can serve as a very helpful guide to avoid many of the same headaches I've experienced in my own training career by following cookie cutter programs and sketchy bro logic that don't really help anyone in the long run. So if you're interested, check out the show notes for a link directly to the listing on Amazon and you don't physically need a Kindle to read this book. You can download the Kindle app for your computer or your mobile device and read the book there as well. So I hope you enjoy the content and I hope to be releasing more work in the future. But if you've already downloaded the book, I sincerely thank you for your continued support. Uh, what are your thoughts on college players getting paid for the name, image, and likeness? That's a really interesting question. Um, for those folks who might not know, NIL is considered to be called name, image, and likeness. And currently right now, college athletes are allowed to profit on their name, image, and likeness. And I have a, a huge issue with that. Um, not that it shouldn't be compensated, but the way it, it's, it's going down. I, I was fortunate enough to write an op-ed article in the Chicago Sun-Times uh, when the season started, right before the college football season started. And in the article, I talked about how um, the NCAA is not allowing, or they haven't made regulations on it. And so right now they just said it's up to the states, the individual states. And in Illinois, you're allowed to do that. There's no cap. Uh, there's, there's no limit. And what you're seeing in other states, you're seeing players receive millions and millions of dollars on their name, image, and likeness. And again, I think that individuals should be able to profit, but I don't think it should be done that way. Um, I really believe, and the reason why is because it's not fair for everyone. And so what you're seeing is one person, the most popular position on the team, Oftentimes, the quarterback or running back or receiver, they're making all the money while you have other players who aren't making any at all. And so it's really lopsided um, on these individual teams. And depending on what area of the country you're in, uh, your name and your likeness may be popular in, in uh, one area and not so much in, in another area. So I think the solution is something where the NCA should have some type of regulation on it and put some caps on it, or um, a situation where that money goes into a, uh, a trust where eventually, probably at the age of maybe 25, maybe 30 years old, then the, the student athletes can have access to it. Because if you're 18 years old, um, I mean, some of these kids are talking about millions of dollars, and I'm not sure. I mean, I know what I was doing at 18 and I wouldn't be responsible having a million dollars in my pocket. And I, I also alluded to in the article that when I was with the Bears, um, I hired a marketing team to assist me in my appearances and things like that. So I had people that were in control of that versus an 18 year old college freshman or a sophomore trying to schedule his classes, his or her classes along with appearances and making sure that they're filing uh, the proper tax form and everything else. So I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see the NCAA regulated because right now it's really getting out of hand. Uh, most recently, uh, there's a lot of uproar within the college uh, community, college environment 
with the Texas A&M football team, uh, they, their, their alumni base spent over $30 million on the recruiting class that's, that's currently coming in next year. So uh, this is something that needs to be regulated. And I think it, it, it will benefit the, the student athletes, but it should benefit all student athletes. Uh, next question is, do you think, what do you think of the recent rule changes that have handcuffed the defense somewhat? Overall, a good or bad thing for the NFL? Uh, well, as a defensive player, obviously, I'm sure if you talk to Eric Kramer, Eric Kramer's like, hey, this is great. I love being a quarterback in the NFL now. But as a defensive player, and, and you've seen it, unfortunately, um, when you're watching games, that they really haven't perfected the, the whole rule of um, targeting. Uh, in a sense where if it's all of, all up to the discretion of the, the referee, oftentimes you see something that um, you would think would be targeting, but it's not called. And on a college level, you're, you're seeing uh, individuals being kicked out of games as well. And for a half of the next game, um, that's really not fair. And oftentimes, I don't want to start getting really you know, um, technical, but what you're seeing, if a defensive player is going to make a tackle, all the offensive player has to do is let their head down and it's going to be contact with my helmet and a offensive player's helmet. Although I have no control over what that offensive player is doing. So I understand you're trying to make the game safer, but we really need to kind of take a look at the rules that they're putting in place. Okay. Uh, this question, I'm going to summarize it. Uh, Derek Rose, hometown player. How did, how did you react upon hearing the news, knowing you will be playing for your hometown team? Was there any pressure going into it? Uh, there wasn't any pressure going into it, but when the Chicago Bears announced that they were drafting in the second round, I, I completely went nuts. Uh, my mom and I grew up huge Bear fans uh, growing up on the south side of Chicago. I was fortunate enough to meet Mike Ditka at a high school um, All-American or team banquet um, when I was in high school as a senior. Uh, my mom had a chance to, to meet him. And that was great. Um, unfortunately, my mom passed away in January of 91, and I was drafted by the Bears in May, or excuse me, in April of 91. Um, so having that opportunity to be drafted by our hometown team was absolutely amazing. Um, really funny story right quick. Um, as I said, I kind of grew up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, we didn't have a car when I was growing up. So when they had a training camp, um, the farthest I knew how to get up north was, was the, the downtown area because there was a, a bus that I would take from my neighborhood and it would take us right, right to the, the downtown area, right, like right around State and Lake. And so honestly, that was the furthest I had ever gone in the city of Chicago. And it was, uh, I had to report on... Friday, or no, Saturday morning, and I was um, driving through downtown. I borrowed a friend's car and literally stopped at like downtown and asked a police officer, Hey, 
how do I get to Lake Forest? Uh, again, not, not being that smart, I thought. I mean, I, I didn't think it was going to be that hard. So he kind of told me how to get there. And he kind of was like, hey, you know, aren't you Zorch? Aren't you just drafted? I said, yeah, I was draft hometown, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, that's great. So fine. So after training camp, um, driving back, um, my friends and I were hanging out in the in the Rush, Rush Street area at the time that was really popular um, down on, on Division. And was going into one of the clubs and a police officer stopped me and said, hey, aren't you Chris Zorch? I said, yeah. He's like, how do you not know how to get to Lake Forest, the Bears training camp? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, apparently you didn't know how to get there a couple of days ago. So one of the police officers that I asked actually went on his mic and kind of made fun of me that, hey, this kid, Chris George, was just drafted by the Bears. He grew up in Chicago. He doesn't know how to get to Lake Forest. I just had to give him directions. So I thought that was kind of funny. And well, I, I do have to say, um, we have um, currently have Cole Komet, who is from the Arlington Heights area, actually, whose father, Frank, actually played for the Bears for a little bit. So he's kind of the, the current hometown kid that's on the Bears. And I had him on my podcast, I mentioned before, and the number one thing that he, that I told him he needs to look out for, you think it's great. I mean, having a chance to, to be around your friends, family, everything is great, but it's the amount of tickets that your family and friends ask for. Um, it, it is absolutely insane. I, 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 I was getting calls from people that from grammar school, um, folks that really didn't even give me the time of day. I had cousins coming out of the, the woodwork. So that's one of the things I told Cole Komet, just be careful that you're going to have thousands and thousands of your friends and family uh, now in need of tickets. And the interesting thing is that everybody thinks you get those tickets for free. And I'm sure it is the same thing with the Cubs, with the Bears, you got at, you got two free tickets. That was all. So people are like, when when you were kind enough to get tickets for people, and you said, well, hey, they're going to be sixty or hundred bucks, they got upset. So I, I think that's a very very funny story. Okay. Uh, this question here: Will the transfer portal hurt college football? That's another great question. For those folks who might not know what the transfer portal is, um, as of I think. 2019, um, now if an individual male or female college athlete would like to transfer from the current school they're at, um, all they need to do is just go into their compliance officer's office and say, hey, I'd like to enter the, the transfer portal. And what the, the transfer portal is, is just letting other colleges know that you are going to leave your current school. So what we're seeing now, and the NCAA says that there's, you can only do it one time. So what, what you're seeing now is kids who are unhappy at the current schools have a chance to kind of transfer, to put their name in this transfer portal. And literally what it is, is just a list of names that um, the, the, the NCAA, or excuse me, all the coaches have access to. And so now, a lot of schools have just designated one of their coaches to watch the transfer portal and see who's on there. So, for example, one of the big names that are on the transfer portal is a gentleman by the name of Caleb Williams, who was just the current quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners. 
while he had a phenomenal year, um, his name was in the Heisman race, and he's choosing to put his name in the transfer portal. And so what, what's happening is with a combination of the transfer portal and the NIL that we discussed a couple of minutes ago, he's looking for the best opportunity out there. When I say best, that's most money. And so he hasn't made a decision yet. Although his college team was very successful, now he, he's in the transfer portal and he's basically saying he'll go to the best school that will give him the best excuse me, he'll go to the school that will give him the best NIL opportunity. And so right now schools are putting together with their alumni bases, trying to find out, trying to do what Texas A&M has done with their recruiting class to offer this individual Caleb Williams money. The problem is, is that you have a lot of kids who have entered the transfer portal who are just literally just unhappy with the current school they're at. Now, they may not be a starter, or they may not have playing time, or they may be homesick, whatever the choice may be. The problem is, is that there's only a set number of scholarships per school. So the NCAA rule for Division I schools is 85. And with those teams, you have the freshman, sophomores, seniors, junior, seniors, and you still have a couple of the, what are called super seniors that that stayed around for COVID. So you have a, a, a college roster on the NCAA football dealing with that, okay? So you get, so now a team has to see if they have room if they want somebody in the transfer portal because a school has to want you and to offer you a scholarship if you want to go to that school. So I think what's going to happen, and this is kind of the, the dark side of the transfer portal that people aren't talking about, is that, yes, the, the bigger names will get chosen by schools, but the lesser known players, the players who may not be five and four star players or players who aren't starters for other teams, um, they may not get picked up. And oftentimes the school that they're leaving is not going to have them come back because they left that team. Now this transfer portal is, for, I'm just talking about football, but this transfer portal is for all the sports, uh, rugby, uh, uh, soccer, I mean, whatever sport you, I mean, you have a student athlete in, the transfer portal is for everybody. So this is going to uh, cause kind of havoc throughout the whole college athletic industry. Okay. And so our last question is, a, is good because it features somebody that I want to meet one day. And it's what is your opinions on the state of Notre Dame football under the leadership of Marcus Freeman? All right. Whoever asked that question, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> as a graduate of Notre Dame, I'm obviously very proud of the school and uh, very proud. I've had a chance to have Marcus Freeman on my podcast as well. And he's a great recruiter. Um, he's going to do amazing things at Notre Dame. They made a great decision after the current coach left. Um, and really oftentimes people are saying, hey, Marcus Freeman has only been at Notre Dame for 11 months at the time. And this is going to be his first head coaching job. Is that normal? Well, no, it's not. Uh, the, the last head coach, Brian Kelly, 
had been a head coach at three or four institutions before he became the head coach at Notre Dame. I think what make what made this situation a little different was because Marcus Freeman was such a great recruiter when he was at Cincinnati as the defensive coordinator, and he came to Notre Dame, and in a very short period of time, he was able to sign several five- and four-star players that Notre Dame would have never had a chance to have access to. So he was able to get commitments from great players very early in his career at Notre Dame. So you have a chance to kind of see what happens. He's the defensive coordinator for the season, and the, the um, Brian Kelly left to go to LSU. Well, there was such an uproar in the way he did it, and Marcus Freeman was such a great recruiter that the, the, the folks that are making the decision for the head coaching position, the athletic director, Jack Swarbrick, at Notre Dame decided that Marcus Freeman would probably be the best option because the player, the current players really love him as a coach and the recruiting classes that he's worked with really were excited about him as well. <clears throat> when the announcement was made that Brian, that Brian Kelly left Notre Dame, a lot of the recruits, the current kids are in high school, seniors and juniors, um, really kind of made a statement and said that they wanted Marcus Freeman as the head coach. So I think a combination of all that um, really had an opportunity for Marcus to become the head coach of Notre Dame. And I think he's going to do well, although um, in the last game they played in the Fiesta Bowl when Marcus was the head coach, they lost against Oklahoma State. Um, there's various reasons why that happened, but I think that he will do wonders uh, for the future of Notre Dame football. Well, Chris, uh, thank you on behalf of all of us from the Cubs, all the different departments featured here, uh, ushers and guest services and security, I see some parking, supervisors. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk uh, with us, uh, baseball crowd. Uh, but thank you so much. And we are forever indebted. And uh, when we see you at Wrigley Field, uh, we'll probably um, do more for you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Frank, I do appreciate that. I wanted to, to, to say I wish you guys a happy new year. Um, I know it's kind of been challenging, but um, we're, we're all kind of in, in this boat together. And that's why I kind of jumped at this opportunity just to say hi and, and just take a little, little um, uh, time to just enjoy the view. Hey guys, if you're hearing my voice here again, that means we've reached the end of the show. It's that time again for all the thank yous and special messages and disclaimers, you know, all the stuff you really tune in for each week. A big thank you yet again to all of our supporters who not only continue to tune into our show, but take the time to hit the like button, write reviews, and share our content on social media. It all really helps us grow our audience. Our Patreon page continues to thrive as well as we're working not only on the podcast, but the Roku channel and the book club and on and on and on. If you'd like to be a part of that expanding mistaken identity experience, follow the link in our show notes to our Patreon page or go to patreon.com and search mistaken identity podcast for all the ways you can sign up to access this multitude of additional content. Mistaken Identity is also now a part of the Unconfined Network, which is a home to many podcasts whose hosts have met inside the walls of Wrigley Field. To check out the network's other show offerings, head to unconfinednetwork.com, that's all one word, unconfinednetwork.com, to view all of our shows and their catalogs. 
Shouts out to Frank Walker, Jesse Graham, and Jordan Burks for their continued efforts both in front and behind the scenes to keep Mistaken Identity rolling along every week. And of course, we can't leave without our disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely our own, and we do not speak for or on behalf of the Chicago Cubs or any other organization. This is Joe Flaherty for the Mistaken Identity Podcast saying stay safe, and we'll catch you next time beyond the ballpark. Hey, it's Frank from the Mistaken Identity Beyond the Ballpark podcast. Listen, I get so many messages, emails, phone calls about investing because I talk about it so much on this show that I can't respond to them all. But what I've decided to do is do a class on Patreon for all of our supporters in two categories. For those that are 40 and under and those that are 40 and older because investing is different based on your age. I get asked, Frank, what is an NFT that these young folks are talking about? What is cryptocurrency? Or I hear about Frank, is it time to readjust my 401k? What's the best life insurance to get? What about life insurance that has living benefits? Or the big one, I just got a raise at my job, it's 2%, but inflation is 7%. Did I really get a loss? I have also noticed a trend. A lot of parents and or grandparents are starting to understand that the cost of college is skyrocketing. And they know that it is better to invest when your child is younger as opposed to later on. And I've recently been talking about how I have gotten some real estate and some stocks and some other investments into Jordan's name so that he is taken care of if something were to ever happen to me. I'll break all of that down, how I did that, how you leave stuff to your children or loved ones in the will and all that good stuff on these investing sessions. Talking about all that and more on our Patreon page every week. Go and get it, patreon.com slash mistaken identity podcast. Let's get investing and generational wealth together. <laughs>